Likuti Sichais, Chelek Chapala, Volume 21, the third Sicha for Parshas Mishpatim. This Sicha is a wonderful and amazing explanation and insight into the Sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote, which is discussed in our Parsha. When was it written? How exactly it was written? What was written? You see, the actual Sefer Torah that we have today was not complete, was not written its entirety until very close to Moshe's Histalkos, to Moshe's passing. So what exactly did he write? Also, we'll get in a better or a deeper insight, perhaps another perspective of what the words Naseh Nishma really mean, at least as it applies to this discussion. The psukim, the verses that are very vital here for this sicha, um, is chapter 24, verse 4, Perich of Dalet, Pasik Dalet, which says, Vayichtav Moshe is called Divrei Hashem, that Moshe wrote all the words of Hashem. And then several psukim later, several verses later, verse Zion 7, Vayikach, the Sefer Habris, that he took the uh, book of the covenant, Vayikra Ba'azniyam, he read it uh, to the people. So just as a quick um, introduction to familiarize ourselves with several items so we can be better prepared for the Sicha. We know that after Kriyas Yamsu, after the splitting of the sea, the first stop that the Yidna arrived was called Mora, literally translated bitter, because when they came there, the waters were bitter. After they sweetened the water, it says that Hashem commanded them uh, there. He gave them some laws. He gave them some chukim. What are these laws? So Rashi tells us that he gave them the laws of Shabbos, of Paraduma, and Dinim. Dinim means like administration of justice and things like that. Also elsewhere it's brought down also Kibbut of Ha'im. In other words, they received several mitzvahs prior to hearing that Seres Hadibah is the Ten Commandments on Har Sinai. Another thing to familiarize ourselves with, the idea of a bris, a covenant. What does a really a covenant mean? A covenant means that it brings two people together and it binds them in a manner that it's inseparable, regardless of what happens later, those two people, or those two entities, those two things, will always remain attached to each other, even if circumstances change. Another thing to familiarize ourselves with, something that Rashi says in the very first Rashi of the Torah, where Rashi explains why it was necessary, why is it that Hashem found it important to share with us all the stories of Chumash Bereshis, of the book of Genesis, beginning with the creation of the world, and later about Adam, and later about Avram, and Yitzchak, and Yaakov, all the way up to the very first commandment that we received as a nation, which is Achodesh HaZelachem, which really, all that seems superfluous. And Rashi explains, quote, Koyach Masav Higid La'amoy, that Hashem is sharing with His people all His wondrous work in order to remind us, in order to tell us, in order to emphasize that He indeed is the master, the, the creator, therefore the master, therefore the owner of the universe, and he chose to give us certain lands. We didn't take it away from anyone. Rather, he who owns it gave it for on a temporary basis to some nations, later took it away from them and gave it to us. Another thing to familiarize ourselves with, the Medrash that explains the what happened exactly by Matan Torah, so it, the way he brings it is that there was a there was a decree. And also the word gzera means 
a cut, a separation, a divide between the Elyonim, the upper realm, and Tachtoinim, the lower realm. In other words, the, the higher ones cannot go down and the lower ones cannot go up. That means there was an absolute divide between the spiritual and the material. One last thing, the concept of Gavra and Chetzo. You have in mitzvahs, and a lot of times this also makes for very interesting debate and discussion, what exactly is the um, application? Is it a matter of Gavra, meaning the individual? In other words, the individual is accomplishing the mitzvah. The, the individual, therefore, is becoming transformed and elevated, or is it the chetza, the item, the, the matter that has to be transformed, the matter that's playing, playing a vital role? So let's go into the sikh. <clears throat> On the Pasik Vayicht of Moshe, it's called Ibrei Hashem, and the Pasik that says that Moshe wrote all the words of Hashem, as I said, Pasik Dalit, Rashi in the heading, the Dibrei Amaschil Vayicht of Moshe, he writes, quote, from Bereshis until Matan Torah, all the verses from the Bereshis, from the beginning, Right at the beginning of the creation of the world until here, until Matan Torah. And the second thing he writes, the Chosav, and he wrote, Mitzvah All the mitzvahs which are commanded in Mora, like I explained in the introduction. So now we know that Rashi's objective is exclusively to explain Pshut Shemikra. Question is, what is the imperative, according to Pshut Shemikra, to explain these two things that Moshe wrote from Bereshis to Matan Torah? And the mitzvahs that he wrote the Mara. In other words, what is so imperative when it says that Moshe wrote this book of the covenant? Why? Why did he? I'm sorry. All words of Hashem. In fact, we can ask according to Pshutish Shomikra, Perhaps it would make more sense to say that when it says that he wrote the Divrei Hashem, the words of Hashem. Perhaps that is referring to the words of Hashem relating to Matan Torah. There was the mitzvah of Hafrosha and Hakbalah, the mitzvahs that of Hashem said, told Moshe, gave him instructions, how the Yidin should prepare for Matan Torah, that is to separate from their wives, and Hakbalah, you know, to, to limit their access and, and the, the, the perimeter to Har Sinai and how they should purify themselves and all of that. So why, why, why can't that be what Moshe, quote, wrote down. In other words, what is the imperative? Why does Rashi seem to be forced to write down, that, uh, to, to explain that when it says Moshe wrote down these words, the words of Hashem, it is that, you know, from Bereshis to Matan Torah and the mitzvahs which were commanded in uh, Mara. Now, several psukim after that, after this, that is, in Pasuk Zion, verse 7, it says, Vayikach Sefer Habris, Moshe took the book of the covenant, Vayikra Ba'ozni Ha'am, and he read it to the people. What does Rashi say? Again, in the heading, Sefer Habris, the book of the covenant, he says that that is from Bereshis to Matan Torah, and the mitzvahs which were commanded in Mora. Now, it's understood why Rashi in the first place needs to explain what Sefer Habris means, with the Book of the Covenant. Why? Because in the prior verse, when it says Moshe wrote down these words of Hashem, there was no indication that this was to be a Book of the Covenant. And therefore, it's understood that Rashi needs to explain here that indeed, this is what Book of the Covenant is all about. But the question is, if that's the case, why does Rashi have to repeat in detail that he 
read in the Book of the Covenant from Bereshis to Matan Torah, and then, in addition to that, the mitzvahs which were commanded in Morah. Why didn't it just suffice to say, oh, this is the book that Moshe wrote before? Why does he have to go into this detail? So the Rebbe says we'll understand all of this by first prefacing, take a closer look in the original Rashi, in the first Rashi, and where it says, Hashem, that he wrote all the words of Hashem. In that Rashi, there's, there, there, there's an emphasis there. There's something that seems to be so very intriguing. And that is, Rashi doesn't say that he wrote, quote, from Bereshis to Matan Torah and the mitzvahs that they were commanded a mother, Mara. Rather, Rashi says, he wrote from Bereshis to Matan Torah and he wrote, he repeats the word and he wrote, and he wrote from the, the, from the, the mitzvahs that they were commanded a Mara. Why does he add this word, quote, and he wrote? The answer is, says the Rebbe, because really, there is a fundamental machlekes, there's a debate, when this entire parsha, when this entire episode took place, when was it said? Before or after Matan Torah? In other words, all this writing and all this reading to them and this covenant, when was this done? According to Rashi, this happened, meaning Pshutah Shomikra, this happened before Matan Torah. As Rashi writes already in verse 1 of this chapter, in he writes that this was all before Matan Torah, and when the day that, quote, Moshe wrote all the words of Hashem, that was on the 4th of Sivan, whereas Matan Torah was on the 6th of Sivan. So this is according to Rashi. According to the Ramban and others, all this took place after Matan Torah. In other words, the covenant and the writing and all that took place after Matan Torah. Now, what is the difference? He said, the Rebbe explains. According to this, it comes out that there's a fundamental difference in how you explain the Pasuk, how you interpret the Pasuk when it says in verse 3 by, that Moshe came and he told them all the words of Hashem and all the laws. According to Rashi, what of all the words of Hashem? You have to say the words of Hashem is the specific instructions how to prepare themselves for Matan Torah, as we mentioned before. All the, um, the, the perimeter they have to set up and the, and, the, and the purification process they have to go through. What would mean all the Mishpatim, all the laws? Those are the seven mitzvahs, Noyach, Shabbos, Kibbutz Paraduma, and the Dinim, all the um, uh, judicial matters that they were given. That's according to Rashi. That's how we would explain that he told them all these words because they didn't yet receive the Torah according to the way Rashi explains it. However, according to the Ramban, when it says that he spoke to them all these words, that's that he went over everything that they learned about in Torah and Parshas Mishpatim because we're now at the end of Parshas Mishpatim, including everything that it says there, Atem Isem, you saw with your own eyes that Hashem gave you the Torah and so on and so forth. So this difference in approach, also brings to an inherent, to the difference, an inherent nature of what this bris, what this covenant was, this covenant that he made with them. In other words, this is not just a question of chronologically when it happened, but rather it's a fundamental difference in what happened. That means when it happened impacts what happened. You see, the bris, what is a bris? 
What is a covenant? Like we said in the introduction, it's a means to strengthen the bond, the connection between two things, between two parties, between two entities, and so on. In our case, the connection between Torah, Hashem, through Torah, and the Yidin. So according to Rashi, the covenant, the bris, was before Matan Torah. So according to this, it comes out that what was this covenant? This covenant was on what was it and through what was it? It was on all the matters that happened leading up to Matan Torah. Everything from before Matan Torah, that was the covenant was on. Meaning that this was meant to strengthen the connection from, of the Yidin and to prepare them. This covenant was meant to prepare them to Matan Torah. So going to through everything and connecting them with a bris to everything that happened up to that point was meant to prepare them and to make them ready for Matan Torah. For example, when we say from Bereshis to Parshas HaChodesh, it's obvious. Since the idea is Koyach Masav Higid as we explained in the introduction, this was meant to show the Eden how everything belongs to Hashem and how they are the chosen and Hashem chose to give them. This strengthens them, this prepares them, this makes them eager and excited to receive the Torah. This is, however, according to Rashi. However, according to the Ramban, that the covenant that we're discussing here took place after Matan Torah. So it's obvious that the covenant was on Matan Torah and everything they received by Matan Torah and post Matan Torah. Whatever, uh, whatever uh, preceded Matan Torah, all the laws in Parshish Ishpatim. So according to this, it's understood that there's also a difference in when it says, Vayicht of Moshe, that Moshe wrote these words of Hashem, according, you ha- there's a difference how you explain it. According to Rashi, that happened before Matan Torah, that, that he, he has to explain that this is all that he wrote up until now. And, and this is part of the covenant that they're making. Now, according to this, we can better understand why Rashi adds that word. You remember that extra word, and he wrote. What is he divided? He has, it seems like he puts it into two separate, uh, as two separate items. The voracious until, uh, until Martin Torah, and then the mitzvahs that were given. You see, because all the parshias from Bereshis until Matan Torah, the way Rashi wrote it, I mean, I'm sorry, the way Moshe wrote it, according to what Rashi learns, he wrote it in a manner the same way it appears in our Torah today. The way it's in our Torah, he wrote it as parshias in the Torah. There, therefore, he wrote it in the same style because it already happened in the past. However, the mitzvahs which they received by Mara, for example, the mitzvah of Paraduma, he couldn't have yet wrote, written it in the same manner that it appears in our Torah. Because when you look into Parshas Chukas, which is much later in the Torah, how does, how does the Torah detail the requirements for and, and all the laws of, of, of the Paraduma? What does it say? One of the things there it says, You should give it to Elazar the Koyin, to the deputy Koyin Gadol. Elazar HaKoyin? 
Elozer is not yet a koyin. Aaron is not yet a koyin. This is much later. And therefore, it wasn't possible for Moshe to write it down in the same style, in the same manner that he wrote the other part. And therefore, Rashi makes a distinction by telling us he wrote from Bereshis until Matan Torah. That chronological narrative, he wrote from as it appears in our Torah, and he wrote the mitzvahs. These are two separate things. Now this goes hand in hand with Rashi's approach to the fact that all this happened before Matan Torah. Because indeed, before Matan Torah, there were two separate ideas, there was two separate concepts. There was the aspect of Torah, and there was the aspect of mitzvahs. And therefore, there were two different types of writing. However, after Matan Torah, it's all one, it's all Torah. Even the mitzvahs is part of Torah. And therefore, according to the Ramban, for example, you have to say it's the same writing. Now we'll appreciate why when it comes to the verse 7, Pasuk Zion, and it says, uh, He took the book of the covenant, why Rashi has to again detail that it's from Bereshis until Matan Torah and the mitzvahs. Remember we asked, why? Why couldn't you just said it's the book that he wrote before? Because over here, Notice what is it? What is it? It refers to it as one entity. It doesn't say the books of the covenant. It says the, the book of the covenant. One book. Now this would be a little perplexing, right? Because it appears as if it's one whole thing, and you would think, wait, these are two separate things and two separate writings, two separate styles of writing, right? As we explained. Therefore, Rashi has to emphasize no. Although they were two separate styles of writing, but they were written into one book and they became one thing for purposes of this covenant. And that the covenant is through both things, or with both things, with Torah and with mitzvahs. And the Rebbe says a beautiful thing. Now we can appreciate, can really understand what the response of the Yidin was. After he made this, this covenant, when he was making this covenant, after reading it to them, what did they say? What was their reaction? Nase Venishma. Which seems to be like a double reaction, two separate things. There is a nasa in their reaction, in their response, and there is a nishma. What is the nasa? Well, now it's clear, at least according to we explain, the way we explained according to Rashi. The nasa aspect is a direct reference to the mitzvahs that are written in there. The nishma aspect is to the reading of the Torah, to the narrative that's being written to them. All that will accept and will believe and all of that. In other words, there was a double acceptance of this um, of this um, uh, book because it, it contained two separate aspects, as we explained. Now, there's another beautiful chapter over here that explains amazingly an entire discussion as to exactly what the nature of the sefer of this Torah is, based on a machlekes in in the Gemara as to whether the Torah was given. In parts, meaning over time it just progressed, or it was given as one whole thing at the end of Moshe's life. It comes out from Rashi that it comes out from Rashi that indeed the at least the way the Maharal explains it that indeed the Sefer Torah that was given to the Eden at the end of the, of Moshe's life, towards the end of Moshe's life, that is the actual Sefer Torah in the status, in the Geder HaTorah, as we have it today. Whereas this book, although it was written according to Rashi, 
uh, appears in Rashi, the way we explain. It was written in the same style. It was written in the same manner that a Sefer Torah is written, meaning from Bereshus until until Achodesh, but yet, it, it, until a Matan Torah, sorry, it did yet, it did not have the status, it doesn't have the, the same uh, gather as a Sefer Torah, rather as a Sefer Habris. Now we know that the Rebbe always emphasized that even though Rashi is Pshutei Shemikra, the Pashita, basic Pshat, yet in Rashi it is what's called Yeino Shel Torah, the wine of Torah. What is the wine, like the deeper esoteric in Torah? What do you see over here? How do we? See, what, what is it in, in, in this Rashi? Says the Rebbe, that notwithstanding the fact that this covenant was a connection between Hashem and the Yidin, in other words, according to everybody, whether it was Rashi's approach, whether it's Rabbanim's approach, what, you know, if it happened before or after, everybody agrees that the objective was the same. The objective was to make a bridge between Hashem and the Yidin, the Torah and the Yidin. However, there's a fundamental difference. There's an inherent difference, I should say, if whether you say it was done before Matan Torah or after Matan Torah. Remember that prior to Matan Torah, there was that decree that we mentioned in the introduction of El And therefore, it comes out that the covenant that was made before Matan Torah is not effective, does not, so to speak, Include the chefza, the object, but rather it was only pertaining to the gavra, to the person. Okay. Moreover, even though that indeed this bris did trigger, did cause a chibur, a connection, but it's only a connection limited to the extent that was possible before matan Torah, which in 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 terms of what we're discussing here is called geder hadivroim. Meaning it was all within the capacity of the Nivrayim, of our abilities, and therefore it was limited. However, if you hold that it was after Matan Torah, then this covenant permeates everything. Not only the Gavra, the Jew, the, uh, the, the person, so to speak, but also the Chaps of the object. The entire world now was connected, the Yid, and everything that belongs to the Yid was connected to Torah and to Hashem. And it's understood that this uh, um, this uh, covenant, this bris, if you say it happened after Matan Torah, had an absolute effect, or a, a, an unlimited, infinite reaching effect, because it was after Matan Torah. So it would seem that if you, that this this opinion seems to be a, um, so to speak greater in impact when it comes in terms of this of this uh, covenant. So how can we explain Rashi? What is the mila, so to speak? What is the advantage? What is great about Rashi's approach? It says the Rebbe, there still is a mila in the bris that happened, if you say that it happened before Matan Torah. Even though it's limited. But since it happened before Matan Torah. And what did it affect? That already before Matan Torah, the Yidin became connected and intertwined with the aspect of Torah. Albeit Torah as it, it's able to relate and to connect to Nivroim prior to Matan Torah, but still it connects to the godliness that's in it. So it's understood that then what happened afterwards when it came Matan Torah afterwards, the, the impact was a full impact. Why? Because they were somewhat ready for it already. They were somewhat prepared, albeit on their level. 
In other words, they received the Torah. However, according to the other opinion that says that what? That it was after Matan Torah. In other words, prior to Matan Torah, they were not yet made connected to the Torah. There was no covenant before Matan Torah. Not even on their level. Not even on a limited level. So it comes out that when it came to Matan Torah, it all happened, first of all, not from their accord, but it happened to them. It happened from Hashem. And it was absolutely overwhelming. And not necessarily did it have its full intended impact. Says the Rebbe, this is what we can explain why Rashi holds that the Sefer Habris is two inyonim, Torah and Mitzvah, because they were really separate. And Ramban is the according to Ramban that he says it was after Matan Torah, it was the inyon and the it was the inyon Torah. Why? Because Mitzad Hanivroyim, from our perspective, the Rebbe uses the expression Herzeg. We appreciate the way we see things. We see that there's two things: there's Torah and there's Mitzvahs. And therefore, since according to Rashi, it happened before Matan Torah, so it happened from our perspective, so to speak, in our terms. And indeed, there's two separate things. However, in truth, Mitzad Haboyde, from the Abishur's perspective, Seherzich, in other words, there's the, what you hear, what it is, the reality is that there is no difference between Torah and Mitzvah. Everything is Torah. And Mela, you have to say that it was one thing, it was one thing afterwards. And this also helps appreciate the Nasev and Nishma aspect that we said before. When you say it's two separate things, there is Nasa and there is Nishma.